Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik. And today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome Doug Smith. Hi, Doug. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How's, how's Houston, Texas? A uh, little cold lately, but not too bad compared to other parts of the country. I, and I, I like living here. Very good economy. Lots of real estate deals we can do. So no complaints. That's awesome. Yeah. Houston and Dallas are like the, the two uh, fastest growing mar- markets in the country, I think, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Um, we met at a conference uh, and um, just um, tell me a little bit about what you do. You, you do something really unique, but before you, before that, your family, uh, married, kids, cats, pets, whatever, whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, married with, uh, recently married uh, last year, have uh, two French Bulldogs. So those would be the children. Uh, have been in real estate for the last 20 years after leaving the world of software development. That's why I moved here to Houston is to work as a software developer. Um, lived in Spain and Chile. Something interesting. I've heard you ask on other podcasts. I lived in Spain and Chile in the year uh, 2016 and had a few interesting stories from my time, time there. But yeah, that's sort of a high-level overview. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you're welcome to share one quick one, anything really... I'll give you a quick one. I'll give you a quick one. For the first few months I was in Spain, I was ordering una coca. Every time I would want a soft drink, I wanted Coke. And they would always give me a funny look. And they would like talk to their managers to try to figure out what I really wanted. Then they would serve me a Coke. I later learned that it's Coca-Cola means Coke. And oh. coca, coca by itself is cocaine. <laughs> oh I, so I, I ordered cocaine at countless restaurants in Spain. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that is... I've got a few more, but less. we need to cover, cover real estate. So. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, language differences, yes. It, it, yes. It's, it's pretty... <laughs> little bit of a difference, just a little bit. Oh, just a little bit. All right. Let's talk about real estate. So let's talk about uh, what you do uh, in uh, Texas. So you buy um, land and you subdivide, you sell, or you buy uh, uh, land at a discount and you sell and sell a financing and you got a whole business. Uh, yeah. well, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So my team and I, I guess we have about 15 team members at this point. We go out there and we buy large tracts of rural land, usually outside of Houston, maybe about an hour outside. It's pretty common. We will subdivide those into usually 10, 13, 15 acre ranchettes. And we will sell those on owner financing to people who want a place to live out in the country to individuals. We also improve them before we sell them. We bring in water, power, uh, a driveway, culverts, fencing, a gate, things like that, sometimes a pond to sort of get the property ready for them. And they're going to go in and they're going to put in a manufactured home or they're going to have a home built. Very cool. So the business is uh, buy in bulk, sell piecemeal, and it's basically land improvement business, right? That's that's what you're doing. Yes. yes. Buy, buying in bulk and selling in small pieces generally works out. You can sell the small pieces for more than what you bought in bulk. And, and yes, we are adding value. Um, we're changing the use from agricultural to residential. 
So obviously that would help us to sell for a lot more as a result. That's right. And so you, you're buying not in fill lots, you're buying generally, as you, as you said, um, 30, 40 minutes uh, away from, from big city. Yeah, the, one uh, recent purchase was a rice field. These are ranches, things of that sort, um, just mostly farmland. Gotcha. Very cool. And then you have a fund that finances uh, these for multi-year, uh, I guess, holds because you, you, you're holding you're holding them. What kind of financing you provide to these folks if they buy it? How many years they, they, they have to pay you off? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. Well, of late, we're selling uh, over a 20-year period, 10.9% uh, interest. Um, and usually, Is it interest only or fully amortized? It's fully amortized over 20 years. A lot of our buyers, they do think that 10.9% is high, so they plan to pay it off early. But a lot of times they never get around to paying it off early. Gotcha, because it's not that trivial to finance with a bank. They basically have to find alternative source of money or maybe if they build a home on the property, then they can get a bank loan. I'm just just, just curious. They, they, could go, they could go to bank and they could, they could refinance out. A lot of times, a lot of times the reason they were willing to buy on owner financing in the first place is because they don't like working with banks or they're missing one or two pieces of documentation that a bank would require. So that current, that current problem could still be in place several years later. <laughs> yeah, I got you. And it's, it's a rural land. I don't know if Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, any of those programs provide it. They usually want a, a home on a property, right? They, they want to, you want to see something that it's an owner occupied. So you got to have a home. If you don't have a home, how can you get a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan? Right. But a lot of times a year or two later, they do have a home there. But gotcha. a lot so of they them, can refi at that point. Yes. We've flown over uh, helicopters and drones and we've, we've looked at what they're doing later on. And yes, and they do, they do have structures there and they could refi, assuming their finances are in order. Makes total sense. So your fund business is you um, basically, your fund finances at 10.9. And then I guess well, your fund makes, I think we talked in the past, like 10%. And um you you basically land at 10.9 you just keep a little arbitrage for putting it together and then the fund just gets yield to, to your investors right is that how it works right i borrow from the fund at 10 percent, and yes the 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 fund the people that go into the fund they they do serve as lenders uh, the the fund is an llc it gets first liens on the land that we buy and the owner finance notes that we generate it's got a a, a loan against our loan basically on those yeah, gotcha. So the fund lends to you, you lend to your um, your borrowers, and the fund's collateral. Say, fund actually records a uh, deed of trust, right, on a property. Yes, and there's a there's a collateral transfer of note and lien. So if we don't pay the fund, then the fund could foreclose on that, and they would become they would collect directly from whoever bought the ranchette. Oh, I see. So it's an assignment, right? Right. So the fund is the beneficiary. Of the of the beneficiary of the yeah something like that the, the, yes in that case a fund investor would be a couple of steps away from actually having to own the the rural land and I say having to own it because if once you own it then you have to resell it again and turn it into a, a cash flow producing asset again that's right so this is a little different from you know other guys that we do business with discount lots uh, but this is this is unique this is niche this is a little different from from that from the point of view that you sell to folks actually that um, want to build some of the property, assume they're buying it to, uh, as you said, put a uh, manufactured a mobile home on it or 
What else they do? What are the use cases? What do people do with these lots? Well, a lot of times they want it to be a, a weekend place. I was going to referencing uh, discount lots. They go out and I think they usually buy at a discount. We don't we don't usually that get that big of a discount when we buy because we buy a lot of these properties off the MLS. What we're doing is we're changing the use and adding value in other ways to to create those margins. And and so just wanted to cover that real quick. And then to answer your question, what do people do? Well, they they spend the weekends usually there at first. Um, they they hang out with their family. And then their plan usually is over time to spend more and more time there and eventually retire there. That's that's what we hear the most of. Um, and then so they all do something a little different. Like a lot of these people are blue collar. That's our target buyer. Sometimes they'll park their big rig out there. They'll have a tractor out there. They'll, they'll build a barn. Um, then what else? They'll have animals um, that their dogs run around, ride around on ATVs. They'll put a pool in, uh, build a fire pit. And then some, some of our buyers are in sort of a different category. They want to put a business out there. We're seeing more and more of that. And so that could be any sort of blue collar business you could imagine. Really interesting. Didn't realize that people do so much with that land. How many acres typically, uh, if you buy uh, and then you subdivide, well, how big is their, their purchase? What are they buying? An acre, two, two acres? What, what kind of uh, range that are they buying? They're usually buying 10 to 15 acres. Wow, it's actually a lot of land. It's not like- it actually, yeah. When you go out there, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Living in the city, I mean, the acre to me is a lot. It's a lot of land. It would, you, you, again, I'm in New York City, so it's, it's it, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and an acre is worth many millions of dollars here. Right. Uh, if you go out there, actually, these are these are smaller compared to the other properties that are for sale, and that's how we feel sort of uh, a need in the market is our buyers go out there and look and everything that's for sale is one, two, 300 acres. And then they can see, oh, I can buy 10 acres from this company. And so they, they come to us. Yeah, it makes sense. So 10 acres, you could have a lot. I mean, like it's just, it's a 10 football field size, right? An acre is a football is a football field. So if you think about it, 10 acres is quite a, quite a lot of land. And you may have trees, you may have other stuff that I guess you could, you could enjoy a kind of country lifestyle, right? Right, that's true. And so the, the land with more trees, as long as it's not totally covered in trees, that sells for more generally. People like those features. If it's got a pond, we can sell it for more. Just the, the prettier it is, and also the closer in it is to town, we can sell it for more. So yeah, it makes total sense. Of course, proximity. It's uh, yes. and you know what's really interesting? Um, I was chatting with another um, introduction, actually, introduction to a son of a good friend. He, and he does something really interesting too. He buys uh, land and, with timber. He wants the trees. He mm -hmm. wants the trees now, especially now, timber is in high demand. So if you have a lot of timber on your property, he actually sells the timber off uh, to folks who are building, I guess, homes, the, the mills, the, the uh, timber mills. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting, even though the land might be covered with a lot of trees, uh, that, that, that those trees becomes an interesting asset if they can be uh, sold to someone who, um, who needs timber. Yeah, that's very interesting. We actually bought one property from a timber company who I guess never got around to harvesting the timber. And then that was a, a sort of a, a benefit to our buyers. Many of them wanted to go in there and they wanted to, yes, occupy the property, but sell some of the timber themselves. <laughs>
Yeah, it's a it's a powerful idea. Timber is a natural resource, and in, in, and especially today with the prices where they are very high, uh, it becomes it's so crazy. In some cases, you could sell the timber and literally recover the price you paid for land and enjoy the land for free um, or close to it. Probably not in our case. We do we do sell the, <laughs> the land for quite a bit, but in other cases, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's a different land, but it's it's in a different part of the country. But it was kind of fascinating to hear that idea. And, and um, so, um, what kind of margins do you typically, if you buy, um, I don't know, you buy a hundred acres and then you subdivide into ten tracks at, at ten acres each, what do you typically pay for the whole thing? What do you what can you sell them piecemeal? Well, that that would a hundred acres. Um, we would pay about $10,000 per acre, most likely. Um, so it'd be in the deal for about a million dollars. We would put probably $200,000 in that, in, in, in improvements into that. And then we'd probably sell the ranchettes all combined for about, about 2.5 million. So, so you double your money, essentially. You, yes. With improvement, with, it, with that additional... Um, the wells, the roads, whatever else you do, uh, you're spending 20% on top of the cost and that doubles the value of the of the whole endeavor. Yes, well that and selling on owner financing as well um, helps. You, you, we have a lot more interested buyers when we sell on owner financing and in general you can sell for, and this is subjective, but maybe 10 or 15% more if you sell on owner financing. Versus cash. Versus cash. And that would be true with houses. That, that's what we used to do. We used to buy and sell houses. And so we're seeing some of those same concepts when we moved over to land. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fascinating. And generally a yeah, cash buyer you have to discount um, even, you know, for a real house, uh, FHA buyer will, 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 or VA buyer or USDA buyer where they have little money down or no money down, they're willing to pay you typically top price, right? The same thing with land, except for, can, can you get a, because it's rural, rural land, can a buyer get a USDA loan um, or, or one of these, I guess, other, other loans? But USDA covers sort of rural areas, right? Um, so few of our buyers are going that route that I would, I would have to ask somebody on my team when, that whenever someone did take, a, take out a traditional loan, I would have to ask them what route they went. Um, from what I understand, they were going to their local bank. And, and getting a loan from there. But could they have got, gotten better terms by going a different route? Maybe so. But over, over 90, 95% of the land that we sell, we sell on owner financing. Gotcha. I mean, it makes um, sense. It's a, it's a good business, by the way. This is, this is very fu uh, fu fundamentally solid because it works. Like you said, the same thing with discount lots, guys. If somebody wants to buy a, a, a piece of land, uh, they don't know where to find it, and they, they, they generally don't want to buy a big big piece of land. So by, by offering them smaller tracks, um, you, you, you're, you're meeting a market need uh, for folks to buy the size that's good enough for them and they're willing to pay more uh, for the service, especially if you, if you get a well on the property and do some- Right, well, get a well and bring in power, oh, and, power then, right. and then offer financing. Those three things combined really make this model work. So power, you you gotta have. Um, I guess you gotta pull pull in those lines, and it's it's. Uh, 
are the power companies willing to do that or you you it's your cost you just basically take the, the power from their main wherever they're running the line and you bring it over well it ends up costing us usually tens of thousands of dollars per project to bring in power uh, it really some of that really just depends on how how far of a trip it is going, going to be to bring it in and uh, our team deals with the counties to make that happen and sometimes that can be a slow process sometimes it'll slow down our projects but We've even start if, if it's slowing them down too much, we've even started selling ranchettes on owner financing before the power is even there. And we're we're promising the that power to our buyers that power will come in soon thereafter. Gotcha. So you, you're taking on a commitment, which makes sense. If, if there's yes. a process, you can pre-market. Yes. Makes sense. Let, let's just talk a little bit about your funds. So how long has your fund been around? What, what what has it done kind of historically? It's pretty much what you said, 10% to investors, right? That's that's how the fund operates, and it's distributable. What quarterly, monthly? <laughs> it's a right now. It's set up as a Rule Five Hundred Six B fund, which means it's uh, available for friends and family, people, people I know, or people who work for the general partner know. And so, I'm more than happy to speak with anyone offline about that. Um, after we get to know each other, I have to be careful about giving too many details about the, <laughs> about the fund. I can talk about the business all all day long. But when it comes to the fund, I have to speak more about um, hist what historically has happened as opposed to any sort of projections. I definitely have to be careful about that. So historically, yes, the, the fund has been receiving, the, the investors have been receiving the 10% uh, preferred return, 10.47% uh, internal rate of return. Um, with with the, the funds loans being secured by first liens against land and notes. Yes. How, how big is the fund? How, how, what's the uh, AUM? We, we have $16 million under management right now. We, we just take it on as we need it. It's an evergreen fund. So uh, it, it was closed for almost a year and then it recently opened up and then closed again. So we just opened and closed as needed. Very cool. Uh, before we forget, uh, how, how would folks get a hold of you if they wanted to reach out there? You, you 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 had exactly the right message it's a 506b you have to have prior existing relationships so for the record you did not do any kind of promotion you no. just basically you need to establish <laughs> that i've been in this business for years and know the drill so you you, you <laughs> right yes we just have to assume the sec is always watching uh so if anyone would like to reach out to me so we can get to know each other my email address is doug at hawthornecapital.com that's doug yog at hawthorn h-a-w-t-h-o-r-n-e capital.com i'd be happy to speak with you very cool appreciate you sharing um what's the outlook let's just switch the subject so what's the outlook where are we going well what do you see happening with land prices um in uh in texas uh in the upcoming months in years obviously there's all kinds of migration happening from the californias and new yorks of the world into dallas and houston and austin area so texas seems to be a great beneficiary of a more business-friendly environment obviously no state income tax and um so what what are what are your thoughts well land values have already just about doubled at rural land values around houston so land that we used to be able to buy for 5,000 per acre, now we're paying 10,000 per acre. In, in, how, in how much time? In maybe two years. It all started around, around the, shortly after the pandemic started in around March of uh, 2020. 
That's crazy. The prices have doubled in two years during the pandemic. I guess people wanted to get away from big cities and have their own uh, neck of the woods, right? Yeah, it's almost like big cities started to be, be seen in a more negative light as really centers of the virus and also centers of pandemic restrictions. But also one reason land values have gone up so much as well is because people are worried about inflation with the government printing so much money. And so they're looking to park their money out in land. And so when we're going to buy these large, maybe tracks of 400, 800 acres, we're competing against now wealthy individuals who are looking just to buy it and hold it. And that was not the case pre-pandemic. So, but, I mean, but the good thing is, is that, so yes, we do pay more, but we also sell for a lot more per acre now. So our, our numbers have just are moved up, but they're still very large margins. That's yeah, brilliant commentary. I appreciate obviously inflation uh, continues to be a substantial uh, risk factor. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's not, not necessarily even a risk factor. It is a risk factor on one side, but it's also a blessing on the other side because it, it, it uh, with government printing money and we can, the, the currency real estate continues to do well uh, and land, um, as much as land doesn't reproduce per se, it doesn't generate yield. Um, you've, cre- you've come up with a way to generate yield by virtue of uh, improving it and selling it and seller financing and creating yield uh, to your investors. But the, the folks that are buying land, um, it, it is, like you said, maybe inflation hedge, or maybe it's, it's just, it's a quality of life. It's a style, right? So, Right. And these, these people that we've sold, the, the end buyers for these ranches, these blue collar people, they, the ones who bought, say, three years ago, they really benefited from this uh, appreciation in rural land values. So um, it, it feels good in a way just to know that, hey, th- these people that we're selling to that are, are really on the winning side of things as well, not just with enjoying time with their families out there, but also benefiting uh, substantially with, with their net worth. Yeah, the appreciation has been great. And it's, it's amazing to see that the land has done so well. Uh, maybe it's because it's taxes on top of everything else. If you, <laughs> I don't think that the same level of appreciation would be true on other parts of the country, but it's uniquely uh, strong in, in Texas, especially um, kind of where you, you are at. Uh, you see this continuing? I mean, obviously, the trend has been, the trend is your friend. Um, I don't know, like... I don't necessarily think that land values rising have been good or bad for our business. They've been good in some, it's been good in some ways and bad in some ways, but we've been doing land for about six years. And so a few of those years were pre pandemic and the business was working very well. Um, And then during the pandemic, it continued to work well and here post pandemic, it works well. So I've yet to see how these different market cycles um, could sort of throw us off kilter or, or affect us in, a, in an overly severe way. Um, what we what we have seen through all market cycles is that there's an enormous demand for our product, um, regardless of what's going on with the economy. So we continue to supply that demand. Yeah, I like this one really good thing about land. It does not depreciate. It doesn't have, it's not like a building that's getting older and older. <laughs> yeah. It, it continues, it, you know, it, it appreciates with, uh, with inflation and um, uh, the improvements you're making, it's the value at work that that substantially enhances the value of the land. So it, it, it's a great asset class, and um, there's all this finite amount of it, right? It's, if you think about it, as much as the United States is a huge country and Texas is a lot of land, at the same time, 
um, in comparison to that, if you compare that to some other parts of real estate, and we, we love many asset classes. Obviously, we love multifamily and affordable housing and, and so on. But to build new, new uh, product out there, it's expensive now. Cost of materials are going up. Go, go try to bring a new multifamily asset. You have to pay, you have to invest in a lot of money to bring the new product versus the land. Um, there's really nothing for you to do other than buy well and just hold it. Right. So maybe our wells used to cost $8,000 each. Now they cost 9,000 each. So yes, it's, it's inflation there too. not affected us that much in the big picture. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You, you're absolutely right everywhere, but in comparison to versus uh, some of oh, the yeah. ground up projects, it's, it, it's, it's drastically better. Uh, it's to the point where um, we work a number of projects and, and typically the value adds incremental improvements are not as bad as the ground up because you can renovate, you're not spending as much money. But here on land, you're still seeing higher costs, just a tiny, tiny bit. Uh, that, what's that? What's the, so your cost is um, 200,000 on a million invested, so it's 20%. So maybe it moved up. If it even moves up 10%, it moves from 200,000 to 220,000. Uh, but on a grand scale of things, your inflation is only 2% versus the 20,000 enhancement or, or, in, or an increase in the, in the cost is not that bad on a million dollar asset, right? Right. It's, it's not, it's totally something we can handle. Awesome. Once again, I appreciate your wisdom. Um, all good things must come to an end. We're running out of time. Uh, once again, give folks your uh, contact information if they wanted to reach out, become an existing relationship that can talk about the fund or they're just interested in land investing. They may ask you some questions. Maybe they want to buy a lot from you. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Or some cocaine, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, or some, or some cocoa, una coco. That's right. Now, now I not only have to worry about the SEC, I've got to worry about the DEA. Yes, tell them una coco. <laughs> Uh, Doug at HawthorneCapital.com, uh, Doug at HawthorneCapital.com. And I just want to thank you, Mike, for having me on um, as a guest. But I, also, I'm just a huge fan of what you do. I, I'm a regular listener to your podcast. So keep doing what you do. Thank you so much. I'm humbled, humbled and honored and, 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 and really enjoy having. I think this was the most hilarious episode I've ever had. I don't think <laughs> ever came as close and as funny as you are. So I give you thank you, Mike. And thank you for sharing. No problem. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.